some that doesn't mean that you're going to succeed in pretty, uh, which is probably pretty likely. So today is machine one of the marketing heads in Mind Valley is going to show us and I'm I know I'm using shows too much that life can change, it's a process and you can totally become a different person. You're going to learn about his story of how he transmitted from a depressed student to to a successful and a happy person. And also, you're going to learn something about the Japanese Stoicism version Ikigai. Now, I know that you're going to backlash with me and that it's not the same thing, but trust me, there's pretty much a lot more common than indifference. So, I'll see you soon, my network. Have an amazing second you're listening for today. We're trying to post episodes every day, but it's not always so easy. Anyways, thank you for your support, and I'll see you soon. Okay, Zenasa, I want to say one big welcome to the show, mate, and thank you for being a major contributor to our podcast. Since we already like passed over 100 episodes, we're chasing 110. We want you to te- to tell us though the most interesting thing about yourself, because we are curious people, you know, we are curious kind of people. So we want to know the most interesting thing about yourself. Maybe life <laughs> experience, maybe a passion of yours, maybe like the workplace you do, uh, anything. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Nicola, I want to I want to thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate what you're doing. That's a great question. So I would say the interesting thing about me is I love to go deep. And what I mean is, as much as I love small talk with people, I think that there is a, an importance of small talk. I often like to like peel open the curtain and go deep into a person's life, right? Like with their permission, I'll often like to go into what drives them, right? What's their why? Why are they doing all these things? And you know, what is their what is their passion that they have chosen in life? And notice I said chosen, not felt, yeah. right? Um, and also just learn more about the people. I, as a kid, I was pretty lonely. So one of my personal missions is to make every person that I speak with feel belonged and seen. And I think the easiest way is to go deep with them. So yeah. Well, how do you, how did you went deep with yourself first before you, it, you went deep with others? Like how did you <laughs> went deep with your character? That's a great question. So I have to acknowledge that number one, I am still a work in progress. I don't think I will ever not be one. So I want that to be very clear. And number two, yeah, so to go deep with myself, meditation helps a lot. So I meditate every day. Maybe I would skip once or twice a month, full transparency, because I might something might happen and I'll skip it. But I, I meditate pretty often every day. And I think it is the one of the best ways to face my own demons, because there's this really interesting idea that your thoughts are not you right and i noticed that i noticed that that is true because here's the thing if you are a cup right and you see from the perspective of a cup you would not be able to see what the cup is like unless you unless you have a mirror and one day i just thought to myself and i thought wait a second i i can see all my thoughts so then i cannot be my thoughts then I must be something beyond my thoughts because how else am I able to see it so clearly? And I think that was the first time I actually was able to distance myself from my thoughts and start going in deep without that fear. 
the fear of like, oh my God, all this negative self-talk, it must be me. When I realized that all this negative talk was, they were just like trains, right? Like I, I, it's almost like I was standing at a train station and then there's this, this, do you guys have subways over there? Or like trains, right? Yeah. Great. So it's like a train that came by, right? And it stops at the platform and the door opens and inside the train was that thought. Now it's up to me whether I want to step into the train and go on this ride or not. And so I started seeing my thoughts as trains of thoughts. And I also learned a lot about forgiveness because I started realizing that sometimes when I'm in a very low state, I would choose to step into the train almost like without thinking. And I'll ride myself with that negative thought for a bit, but that's okay. Because Nicola, if you are on a train, you can get off at the next station and jump on another train. And so this framework has given me a lot of courage and a lot of power to go deep into exploring my thoughts, my feelings without that fear of like, wow, I'll be trapped in there forever because I always have a choice. Uh, by the way, I want to actually get more deep on that because you know, yeah. I've, I've been having that problem myself where I actually, you know, go deep into my thoughts and actually, you know, yeah. get lost in them. And I feel like, right. you know, uh, in different areas of my life, not just in like entrepreneurship, I mean, in, mm. I, I mean, I wouldn't I say which exactly, but there are a lot of them. So how do we get mm. out exactly from that space? Wow, that's such a good question. Simply because I've been there. Um, I would say, first of all, I'm very thankful for my friends. So my friends help a lot. As in, you know, I have friends that I can call just about anything. And here's the thing. You don't have to have one friend for every single area of your life. And I don't think it's supposed to be that way, right? I, I think I think as, as a society, sometimes, even in relationships, Nicola, I don't, you know, um, we sometimes expect our friend or our significant other to be this one person that would fulfill all our needs and all our questions, right? When we go back into evolutionary science and you realize that in the past you have a tribe, so why on earth are we expecting one person to do all this work now? So my friends are really important and I have pretty much one friend for different areas of life and I would always go to them and bounce ideas. And this is a very important process for me because I would establish that conversation saying, hey, I need, to, I need to vent a bit or I need to let something out and I would love for you to be my sounding board. So I'm asking for their permission because you know they, they might be affected by my energy. And when they give me that permission, then I just go all in and I share whatever is in my heart and they would reflect it back onto me. Now here's the beautiful thing is they aren't really doing much. They aren't they aren't giving me advice. What they are doing is they are telling me what I just said. And Nicola, sometimes that is all I need is to have someone tell me back what I just said. And I listen to it and I think to myself, yeah, that doesn't feel right. Or, hmm, that's interesting. So I kind of feel like we should go in this direction, right? So what I feel like one of the easiest ways is to have your own, your own sounding board, right? Uh, of course, with permission. It is to have your own Jedi Council if you are a Star Wars fan or um, your own fellowship, right? People that you trust enough to bounce ideas with. And I think every single successful people, if you ask them, they have their own 
fellowships. They have their own Jedi councils, right? Ask Richard Branson, ask Vishen Lakhiani. They have their own Jedi councils. And it's so important because you, you need that interaction, that sort of like idea flowing and let your thoughts flow so that it can grow. Um, and if, if you're not comfortable, let's say you're processing it and you're not comfortable with reaching out to your friend yet, then for me, one thing that's really helpful is journaling. And, you know, it is really taking out a pen and paper. You know, I prefer that. And it's old fashioned, right? But it works. And really just write out uh, all your thoughts. Now, here's the beautiful thing for me, Nicola, is that people might say, Zen, a computer is faster. So why don't we just use a computer? Well, here's the thing. When I use a pen and a journal, it, it's slow and that's what I need because as I'm writing, you know, I, my mind gets to catch up. My mind gets to do that processing and I'm writing it out. So it's almost like dumping my, my thoughts on paper. You cannot see what's in your mind. So you got, you got to, sometimes you got to take it out of your mind, put it on paper and just step back and say, wow, okay, so this is in my mind. I can see it now, and now I can move forward, right? Does that does that yeah. make sense? Does it resonate with you? Yeah, it makes sense. I just want to add that, uh, you know, generally on paper is, I mean, I, I'm not always that on the science side, but it's scientifically proven that it's better than just, you know, digitalizing the process, simply because, you know, you're practicing more skills at once. When you I write things, that. you know, when you write things down, you know, your brain actually thinks about how it's going to write the letter, so mm -hmm. you you can understand it later. While in digital in digital writing, the letter is written perfectly, so you can understand it. The brain mm -hmm. doesn't think; it just lets it just lets your hand, you know, do the job. But in journaling, your brain does the job, which is definitely more powerful. Right, right, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I I love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go a bit into your personal journey. And before you actually built all these habits, and before actually skipping your thoughts. Who were ex who were you exactly? Oh, wow! How far do you want to go? <laughs> A lot deep into the Mariana Trench. <laughs> I like I love your sense of humor. Um, okay, so I would say if I have to go back about about eight years ago, right? I think that's when it got pretty pretty deep. So what happened was. I was actually studying in one of the top universities in Canada, and it, it, some people call it the MIT of the North, if you know what MIT is. Yeah. And, yep. and, and so, you know, in, in the external point of view, everyone was saying, wow, you, you figured it out. You know, you got into this university, uh, Google's headquarter in Canada at the time would come to our university to pretty much hire us. And you know, we even had a we even had a lecture with the late Stephen Hawkins, Dr. Stephen Hawkins, and um, he's phenomenal. And and so, to the external eye at the time, in that societal construct, um, I had it all. And everyone in my circle were like, "Wow, we're so proud of you. Um, you're onto great things. You know, you can get a job, six-figure job. Uh, you know, hire." Uh, sorry, uh, marry a beautiful wife, get a great house and settle down, right? And success. But the thing yeah. is, I did that because I didn't do enough self-work. So I didn't really know what I want in life. And so I turned to the adults who I assumed knew what's best for me and what success meant. 
And they said, well, you are really good at mathematics, so why don't you go into mathematics and go to this university because you can, because your marks are great, um, and you know, and and succeed in life. And so I went with that path. Now, one lesson I learned very just just from that experience, Nicola, is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. And just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you would find joy and fulfillment out of it. And for me, it took me years to figure that out. Um, yeah. yeah, and by the way, sorry for cutting you out, but that really sums up, you know, all these people today say, you know, follow your passion and all of that. But if you <laughs> actually, you know, we want to turn into a real business, you might quit in the long term, which is pretty much bad than quitting in the short term. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the real passion is built with time. You know, you craft it with time. So I don't think that, you know, you should look for what you're good at or like what you really, really love. But mm-hmm. something you have a little interest in because that interest can turn to passion. And the passion, that. And the passion you have for something else can actually turn to real problem after. I love what you said, Nicola, and I would like to add on to it. So you're right. Um, pursuing your passion, especially for a business, does not you would not usually lead to success, right? If it's the only thing that you consider. Now, I would say pursue your passion and turn it into a business if you have seen a need in the market, right? Yeah. So, so if you see a, a need in the market. And you can see how your passion and your solution is going to bring value to your customers. Then pursue that. But you know, if you just say, "Hey, pursue your passion and turn it into a business," and your passion would lead to money, uh, I'm sorry, that alone would not bring you anywhere. And and that's why there's so many stereotypical, right? So many, uh, unfortunately, poor yoga teachers out there, because you know they're like, "Oh wow, I feel great when I do." Yoga. Let me teach that and turn it into a business. But without the proper marketing, without the proper like business mindset and understanding of the market, they they won't go anywhere. And so I love that you brought that up. I think it's really important to really listen to the market and understand how can you bring value and how to merge your passion into it. And so there's this really interesting、uh, matrix from the Japanese. It's called the Ikigai. Have you heard of it? No. What what is it about actually? Okay, amazing. So the ikigai is I K I G A I, right? It is a Japanese concept on how to create a fulfilling life, right? And ikigai means a reason for being. Now, it usually is used to indicate the source of value in one's life or the things that make one's life worthwhile. And there are four different Uh, columns that they consider, right? So you know what they do is they look into number one,、um, does it make an impact in、um, the people in in society in the world, right? So whatever you do, does it make an impact? That's the first thing you want to answer, right? And, and and question. And the second thing is,、uh, can you get paid for it, right? So what can you get paid for? Now the third thing is, what are you good at? It might be different. You might get paid for, let's say, marketing services, but you might be really good at dancing. So that can be two things, right? And the fourth thing is, what do you love, right? So to recap, the four pillars are number one, what the world needs; number two, what can you get paid for; number three, 
what you are good at, and number four, what do you love? Now we combine the four together, and if the thing you're doing can fulfill all four pillars, that's your ikigai, right? And yeah. it's really interesting. Now, although I would, I would add another point to this, which is caution. You don't have to do one thing to fulfill all four columns. I don't believe that anymore because I spent a bit of time trying to find my ikigai when I realized that it's two things that fulfill my ikigai, and that's okay, right? So you can you can you can get paid for something, and uh, by by doing something that the world needs, and then you can you can use the money to um to do something that you're good at and that you love, right? So I, that's just my belief, and you know it's been serving me a lot in my journey to fulfillment. Love it. I, I think that ikigai thing, which by the way I just uh, searched up and there's a book about it. I think yes. that's the eastern the eastern cousin of stoicism. To be honest, mm. I mean there are <laughs> a lot, there are a couple of differences, but you know there's a difference in everything. So yeah, uh, yeah de- definitely has a pretty much more uh, how can I say similarity. And you know <laughs> everyone should definitely listen to listen to that. And thanks for sharing that with us. But let's get back to your journey. So right. you, want, you went to study math, but yes. what, what after it? What happened so, after So, you know, I, I studied mathematics, right? And, you know, I got into the university and I tried to fit in, you know, because I told myself, well, this is the path to success, so I'm going to do it. And what's really interesting is when you put yourself on a path where you don't feel driven, uh, you don't see your why, you don't have a vision, right? and you keep doing it, you started to lose yourself. And so what happened for me is I tried to fit into with all my all my mathematics peers. I tried to do what they like, you know, I, I, I tried I tried to merge in into the crowd. But what happened was I felt I felt my 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 insides shrinking. I felt smaller every time I tried to fit in doing something that I actually didn't want to do. And I mean, it's on me, you know, it's on me for for not acknowledging that and leaving that. And so it shows you how little my self-awareness was at the time, right? I didn't even realize that walking away was an option and no one in my circle were entrepreneurial. So I didn't expose myself to this mindset. to this growth mindset, right? To, to this whole new world of possibility. So I allow myself to be there for, 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 for years, you know, like just trying to go on that path, trying to fight it. When in fact the universe was giving me a really obvious sign because here's why. I couldn't even bring myself to really study the material. So, you know, every time I had to drag myself to an exam, I had to, you know, really buckle myself down and open a book and study, but I'm telling you, every single second of that felt like death. Like, it's almost like I'm, I'm killing a part of myself by forcing myself to do that. And I'm not saying, please be please be clear, I'm not saying don't, don't do anything that sort of like is hard, okay? It's very different. Do something that's hard if it drives you to your vision. The problem with me is I couldn't see myself in any of the paths that this would lead me to. Right, um, and, and, and so I was doing something that won't lead me anywhere fulfilling. And I kept doing that until one day, one day when it was winter in Canada, 
and I looked out into the windows, and I thought to myself, wow, it's, it's, so, it's so dark outside, and it's snowing. It's so dark outside, just like my future. And I was like, wow, this sucks. If this is what success is, or this is what's going to lead me to success, it sucks. And if people say that this is the path to happiness, because everyone in my, in my environment was like, this is going to make you happy, and I'm not happy, then something must be wrong with me. And so instead of blaming anyone, which, by the way, this is another thing. People say don't blame other people because that's what leaders uh, do, right? They don't blame people. But at the same time, don't blame yourself because what happened was I blamed myself. And I started telling myself something must be wrong with me. And I think the darkest moment was when I look out the same night, I look into the window and I thought, wow, I'm a waste of oxygen. <laughs> like, why am I even here? You know, I'm wasting my parents' money. Why am I here? So I became, I became very, uh, I would say low in my state. <laughs> and uh, I was suicidal. Um, and, you know, I, I even, you know, tried. Uh, obviously it didn't work. <laughs> um, but what was interesting was the moment when I decided that this is it, man, like I'm, I'm done, right? I'm done with this. Um, and I fall into that victim mentality. It's almost as if the ego got what it wanted because the ego was screaming at me at the time. But all of a sudden when I said, fine, I'll accept death. It was like the screaming stopped. And instead what came to my mind was what the people I loved, you know, my, my, my parents, my brother, my friends at the time. Um, who weren't in the city, by the way, with me, because I had to move away for that university. Um, and I, I could feel, I, could, I couldn't explain this, but I could feel someone needing what I have to offer, even though I don't know what it is, or what it was. And that got me back, that got me to step back and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And there's something I need to do. So the thing, though, is that when you when you face something like that, right, <laughs> it changes the way you think. And so I stepped back and I thought to myself, I still have a mission here, um, but I don't know what to do. The only thing I know is that this place is not for me. And so the next day, I, I you know, my mom and I have these calls, right, and she would call me. And he, here's the thing, I had been hiding all that time because I didn't want my parents to worry. So I was like, every time they talk to me, I'll say everything is okay, right? But that day, the next day when she calls me and she asked me, hey, is everything okay? I, I just, I was honest. I said, no, I feel like a zombie. And, uh, you know, she got, it got her worried. And, you know, I was, it, it, it pained me. I, my heart constrict, it felt like so tight in my chest when I heard her worried voice saying, what's happening? And I said, I can't be here anymore. Um, I have to leave. So I decided to to leave the campus, to leave that university that everyone tried so hard to get into. Um, I left, and I went. I went home. Right. I mean, at at the time, home was Toronto because I would live with my my mom. My parents were in a different country, 
my because of my dad's work. So I would go back to my my aunt and my grandma's place because I, I could take care of my grandmother because she was old, right? Um, and she, she passed away, uh, but she was old and they needed a man in the house. And I was like, I'm the perfect person. Let me let me help you guys. You know, so I, I would do all the heavy lifting in the family. Totally cool uh, with that. And I was with my with family and I would try to figure out what's next, right? And so that triggered my growth mindset. I would say that was the first time when I told myself I have to grow, I have to figure this out, right? Nothing in my circle, nothing in my network at the time served me. So I need to look outside. I need to try something I've never tried before. I need to start doing things I've never done before. And I became hungry out of desperation, really. Um, trying to consume content I've never consumed before, uh, judged less, you know, and start accepting more, right? Like I would, I, before I, I thought Tony Robbins was the biggest scam artist. You know, I thought, I thought, who is this guy on stage, like screaming and telling them, getting rah, rah, you know, telling people you can do it. I'm like, that must be a scam artist, you know? Um, but I had to open up. I had to be like, okay, fine. If, if what I, if my belief system at the time does not serve me that I need to look beyond. So I became hungry and I started consume. I started looking up Tony Robbins. I started looking up TED Talks. Right. I started to um, interact with people that I've never interacted with before. I joined this amazing international organization called Isaac. Right. That that trains young leaders. Again, Isaac is also a huge component of my of my transformation. You know, looking in business in another way because uh, I, I had a very negative impression of business before because of what a businessman from China did to my family, basically causing us a lot of sadness and pain. Um, and so at a very young age, I thought to myself that all businessmen must be evil because they would, they would scam, they would cheat, they would lie, they would cause people pain. I made that belief at a young age. Now notice that I made that belief. It wasn't true, but I did. Now, it's not to say that there are no business people out there that would bend the rules, but not everyone is that way. And Isaac, A-I-E-S-E-C, opened my eyes to that. So I started seeing conscious business leaders. I started interacting with business in a different way, which, which gave me just such a profound acknowledgement that what I knew before was such a small, small, small piece of the world. I started traveling more. I started... Um, I started you know, learning about different cultures. I started to um, do things that I thought would have been awkward for me before when I, I, I and I became so curious about, you know, why are you doing this? You know, what does this mean? What, what, what is this like in your culture? What does this word mean? Because words, words, guys, are not unified. Like, like <laughs> a word to me means differently to you. And so I became super curious, right? And so I think that's when I started becoming a very curious person. And I may have been so before, but I never really tapped into it. And just asking questions, right? Um, and, and that's when I realized, oh, wow, people actually love being asked questions. And also, there are certain times when people didn't want to be asked a question. And I'll be, I'll be sort of like, I'll take it personally. Then over time, I realized that, wow, it's not actually about me, it's about them. Maybe they're going through something. Maybe they don't want to relive a memory or maybe they just don't feel like sharing. It's nothing personal to me. So 
it, it, it gave me more permission to just ask questions. So I, I do that a lot, right? And obviously in Isaac, I grew tremendously in my leadership skills as well, in my communication skills, um, in my, you know, it's so funny because my curiosity just became more and more. So it's almost like I'm always hungry. Uh, but one thing I realized is I love connection, right? So I love to bring people to be connected. I love people to feel seen and heard because I think everyone, everyone has a right to be seen and to be heard. And I, I work a lot to give people that. So that's a positive feedback loop, right? And eventually I learned about Mind Valley, right? So I was like, whoa, Mind Valley, this is amazing. And I saw a vision the CEO of Mindvalley uh, on stage once, and he was talking about happiness in the now and vision in the future. And together, these two create a very fulfilling uh, lifestyle. And I'm like, wow, I, I never heard of this before. Who is this guy? And how can I, how can I add value to him? So I found Mindvalley and I started applying for Mindvalley. Now, at the time I was in Canada and <laughs> And I was like in Vancouver at the time. And if you don't, if you haven't been to Vancouver yet, for anyone who is listening, Vancouver is a beautiful city, beautiful city, um, the warmest, uh, the warmest city in Canada. And you know, like everyone comes to Vancouver. Not a lot of people leave Vancouver, you know. So people were like, "Why? Why are you going to this company in, in Malaysia? Like, what's it? What does it even do? And you know, are they even paying you as much?" And you know, like a lot of objections, right? And here's the thing, uh, Nicola, is that you gotta follow your intuition. And there's science that has proven that your your gut system has a neural network that is similar to the brain. So when people ask you, hey, listen to your gut, it actually means something because there is a neural network in your gut. And so my gut was screaming at me, Nicola, to go to Mind Valley, whatever it takes. So what happened was I decided, okay, I'm going to apply for Mind Valley. I'm going to make a, a video cover letter because they accept cover letters, right? And I'm going to send it over. Now, I was really, really an amateur at it. So it took me about two months to film that video. And that was like a, a, a what, a three, three, minute video three two months um and and here's the temptation right P things tempt you was at the time people started asking me to go to interviews in, in vancouver now now here's the thing is you got to be practical too right so my goal was mind valley but i i understood that if i didn't have a plan b then the, the stress for me by the way the stress might um, might cause me to underperform. And so I thought to myself, fine, I'll go to interview these companies, these amazing tech companies in Vancouver, and we'll see what happens. Why not, right? So when I submitted my interview to Mindvalley and I finally heard back from them, I was, I was overjoyed. I was, I was jumping up and down when I got that first interview. I was like, whoa, this is happening. And, you know, I could feel my palms just like, like crink, like, like clenching together, like in, in the air, you know, I was like, I probably screaming out loud and my neighbors were like, what's going on? But I was so happy, you know? And, you know, by the, by the second interview though, with Mindvalley, I started getting job offers from these companies in Vancouver. 
and that was that was a moment of truth, right? That was like, what are you gonna do? And I listened to my gut, and I thought to myself, if I accepted this job out of security, and not go all in with Mind Valley, I would regret this for the rest of my life, and I know it. And obviously, the logical brain is like, no, 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 but, but. <laughs> You know, you won't know if you get accepted by Mind Valley. And what if what if you don't like Mind Valley? Is it is in Malaysia? Have you been to Malaysia? Have you been to Southeast Asia? No. What if it doesn't work out? Right? So it's it's trying to convince me for the safer option. Now, Nicola, we there's there's research that has proven that the brain is not hardwired for thriving. So it doesn't want it doesn't want you to thrive. The brain wants you to survive. And that was what was happening. That my brain was like, survive, get a job, you know, a job, a job in Vancouver. Uh, you know this place. You have friends here. But my gut was saying, dude, go for Mind Valley, or else you will regret it. I went with my gut. So I turned down these job offers in Vancouver, and I just went all in. I went all in. You know, by the third interview, um, one of the Mind Valley employees said, "You know, we like the way you think, and you know, you even though you don't fit, like you don't have a lot of experience in marketing, pretty much none, by the way. Um, but you huh. you have an eagerness to learn. You said that, so we want you to prove that. Here is a challenge, right? Um, I won't I, I won't say what the challenge is because I don't know how much I can share. But they gave me a challenge, and and it's marketing related." And I was like, sure, I'll take on the challenge. In four days, I need to get back to them with a 10-page um, um, deck uh, proposal. And I, I, the moment I got off that call, Nicola, I was like, what on earth is this? Like, I was literally thinking to myself, is this a thing? And so I went on to Google and I searched for it. I'm like, oh wow, it's actually a thing. So I spent the first two days studying like crazy, like studying what this is in marketing. And then the next two days, like crafting that proposal, and I sent back to them, and like my heart was racing, palms were sweating. I was thinking to myself, man, I must have screwed up, man. Like I could have done better. Like, wow, I'm I'm such an amateur. Like, what are they gonna think? I really, really hope that I get another interview. You know, all these doubts are coming in. Again, a train of thought, right? And and yeah, and then and then I'm so grateful that I got a a another interview. Right, and this time it was with the general manager of Mind Valley, and then with the chief marketing officer of Mind Valley, and then with Vishalakiani himself. And I was like, I was overjoyed, you know. I was just thinking to myself, "Wow, I can't believe this is happening." <laughs> and so I accepted the job. Finally, they gave me a job offer, and I was literally now. This time, I know for sure. That I was screaming because my roommate came and said, "What happened? What happened? Like, why are you screaming?" Because I was screaming in joy. Like, I was like, "Wow, I actually did it! I did it!" And it was like that moment of like thinking to myself, "This is actually happening." And I felt like I believed myself even more. So I bought a one-way ticket to Malaysia, and came to Mind Valley, right? Now, obviously, in Mind Valley, it's a whole new journey again because at Mind Valley, it's a Is one of the top personal growth companies in the world. I can share that more,、um, but it's another journey. And、um, but that journey brought me to who I am today. I'm in a very fulfilling relationship with my beautiful, smart, intelligent girlfriend.、Uh, 
um, I am doing a job that I love. Uh, I am I am given the trust and freedom to explore and experiment, and I have an amazing, amazing network of friends that are truly just incredible souls. Um, and I just feel so grateful for where I am in life right now. Well, Sanaz, that was an amazing story, mate. I think you answered all of our questions, and we love the story. But how can we actually con uh, connect with you in the first place? Like, which are the best social medias in order for us to get in touch with you? That's a great question. So number one is I'm actually launching a podcast soon. <laughs> so it's in the works. Um, and so if anyone follows me, uh, follow my Instagram because I'll, I'll share updates there. And my Instagram handle is Zenis Chin. So Z-E-N-A-S-C-H-I-N. Zenis Chin. So that's my... Um, Instagram and so I think that's the best place to follow me um, you can also uh, you know I mean feel free to add me on Twitter as well you know um, my Twitter is the same and I reply to people who message me but Instagram would be the best way I would say yeah great well as we're wrapping this up what is your last advice to my listeners something specific you want to share with us then mm, that's a good question I would say, can I say a few things? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So I'll say number one is trust yourself. And I would, I, I know, I know it sounds cheesy, but you have all the wisdom you need right now in this time to do the right thing. And I quote Gary Vaynerchuk, doing the right thing is always the right thing. And so listen to yourself and trust yourself and give, I would say you would trust your best friend, right? In, in what they do. Then why won't you trust yourself in your ability to do the right thing for you? And I think, I think that's number wow. one, right? Uh, number yeah. two is be vulnerable. I think one of the traits that a lot of people say I have is my vulnerability. Now, again, I am a work in progress. However, I just, I like being vulnerable and I like being an open book. And I think that is the premise of my relationship with my girlfriend. Now, please understand that being vulnerable does not mean being a victim. It doesn't mean dump all your problems on other people. It does, however, mean that you openly admit your emotional states, you uh, share um, with humility and you are willing to put yourself out there, which is obviously still something I'm working on. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm still working on that, right? Because being vulnerable doesn't mean just sharing what you think. It means literally putting yourself out there and be vulnerable, right? But the thing is when you do that, that's when you can attract the people that belong in your tribe. That's when you can actually, um, get your, get your raving fans. And, and trust me, trust me when I say, you will also get haters, you will, it's inevitable. And that's okay, that's okay, because it just means, if, if you have haters, it means that you are saying yes to yourself. And I think that's important. So put yourself out there, be vulnerable. And, and, and here's the thing, it's, um, you know, you can never truly connect with someone if you're not willing to take off the mask. And that is a very sad life because I've been there. 
right? The reason why I was depressed and almost killed myself is because I was wearing a mask. So whenever someone say, come and say, hey, Zen, you're my friend, or Zen, we really appreciate you, you know, Zen, 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 subconsciously, I never received anything. Because subconsciously, I still think that I'm wearing a mask and they never knew who I was. What a sad life that is. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that being vulnerable means you won't get hurt. You might, you might, but here's the thing. When you get hurt, if you're vulnerable, that means you, you must have attracted a tribe. And that means that you can go to that tribe and, and just be, just, you know, really, hey, I'm hurt, guys. And collectively heal. And I, I think, I think that's how, that's the first step of you belonging. And by the way, the, obviously the first step is knowing who you are. So you got to first belong to yourself before you belong to a tribe. And again, I'm also a work in progress. So I am not preaching. I am only sharing what is working for me. Um, but belong to yourself and then show up and allow others to belong with you. So I'll say that's number two. And I think finally, number three is take imperfect action. You know, I, I used to be a perfectionist and I used to think that's a great thing. <laughs> Such a bad, right? Perfectionist. Um, when I realized that you don't have to have everything planned out to take action. And if you listen to a lot of these successful leaders, look at Vision, Vision Lakiani, right? He takes imperfect action. Now don't confuse that with, um, with non-strategic actions. It, you need a strategy. You, you need to know what you're doing, but you don't need the perfect plan because when you start doing something, the feedback you get is going to nudge you in the right direction to create a better experience, product, whatever, right? So take imperfect action and listen to what the feedback is and be open to receive because when you get feedback, it's not on you. It's on the thing you created. You are not the thing you created. You have to understand, right? Don't put your identity into it. You are bigger than that. Nicola, for example, this podcast, you are this, you know, it, it, it's huge. It's, it's, it's bigger than you. Right. And so, and so that ego would always try to come in and, you know, kind of like, <laughs> I wouldn't say sabotage, but it would impact, right? It was like the ego is like speaking at you and we have to be able to appreciate that and say, Hey ego, I, I hear you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen to the feedback. That's how you improve. That's how you create a world-class product. And so I would say those are the three things I want to leave behind. And again, I would say I'm always a work in progress. You're always a work in progress. So it's okay. Just, just keep growing. Right. Um, but also be, be satisfied in where you are and have a vision for the future. Well, because awesome. you're present, bro. You're present. Your present is a present, right? It's a cliche, but your present is a present. And you are enough right now. Now go strive for, go strive for a bigger impact. Go strive for a bigger, better future, knowing that you are enough. I think that's it. That's definitely deeps in us. And again, before actually you end this, I want to say that we would love to have you on a second time because we want to hear more wisdom coming from your mouth, to be honest. And <laughs> from the heart, bro, from the heart, not the mouth. Yeah, yeah, but the mouth is like the tool to actually get it. That's and, true. And all right. 
that was awesome, Jonas. We will actually like wrap this up here, but thanks for your time today. We were super glad to have you here, and you, we hope you have an amazing day. We did. Thanks, thanks to you. Thank you, thank you, Nicola. And it's so nice to speak to you. Uh, I love, I love your energy. Um, yeah, and whoever's listening, have a great day, afternoon, evening. <laughs> awesome.